Welcome to the Abandonment Issues Podcast. We are so happy to have you join us each week as we sift through the ashes of abandonment and parental loss. By actually talking about the bewildering, turbulent, and quite often humorous nature of the grieving process. Here we extend our traumatized, psychoanalyzed, and humorized self to you all. While we vocalize and normalize grief. So grab your tissues. It's time to laugh cry and do our best to heal together it's time to talk about abandonment, abandonment issues, issues. Grab your sides, grab your tissues. Sarah Beth Bassick. And I am Clarissa Tebow. And this is Abandonment Issues. And we're back. It's 2021. It's 2021, y'all. <laughs> what, a, what a decade it's been in this week so far. <laughs> it's already off to a great start. I mean, um, wild. So our guest today has been from the glittering red carpets of Hollywood's latest premiere parties. To the breathtaking sands of Egypt. Through her work, she has crossed paths with amazing people. Hillary Clinton. Jeff Goldblum. Nicole Kidman. She's got that dream life, y'all. She also has been a huge advocate of BLM and ensuring this world is safer for all of us. Safer for all of us in so many ways. In addition to her exciting career, Kathy has run multiple marathons raising money and awareness for myeloma and bone cancer research. Oh, yes. And... Her love of fashion and genius eye for aesthetic shines through all that she does, whether she's producing another fabulous global event or traversing the world. In these pandemic times, Kathy has reinvented herself and her career and has founded Private Party Agency. She can't be stopped. <laughs> Kathy and I met when we were wee little ones at San Diego State University. Sarah and I are so excited to have her with us here today. Welcome to the podcast. Kathy Slim. Thank you. Everyone. Oh my gosh. Wow. I had no idea you guys were going to say such kind things. <laughs> I'm, oh my gosh. I'm overwhelmed and I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. It seems like you're an easy person to say kind things about. So I'm excited to get into this with you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. First of all, start by spilling the tea on all of the things about Clarissa when she was in college. That's a different podcast. <laughs> oh all those horrible parties. <laughs> Clarissa. Oh my God. Uh, she lived in the apartment complex across the street from mine on campus. Um, so we were both living in the dorms and <laughs> I, m one of my friends from high school was on her floor. Yeah. So that's actually how we met was through a mutual oh, friend nice. from high school. And we were, we college was amazing. We lived it up. <laughs> you would have thought Clarissa was going to be the event planner of this friend group. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Oh my God. It was like, because it's college, you know, I was a freshman. I was like, <laughs> I have wings and I can fly. I'm going to go everywhere and do everything. I can do anything I yeah. want. I have freedom. Oh, my gosh. And San Diego is the best place to do it, too, oh, yeah. because we had the best weather. They gave us credit for doing things like paddle boarding and sailing. Oh, yeah. Guys, 
I got college credit for that. Yeah. I, <laughs> what I forgot about that. I did do a couple sailing classes and totally got college credit for learning how to sail a boat, which is oh my God, only in San Diego would that happen. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my gosh. At college, we had a dorm that was on the lake and I told myself I couldn't live on there because I was like, oh, I'll never go to class. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that water, I'm like, I mean, unless I was getting credit for it, which I'm sure there were classes. I just uh, being the biology nerd I was, we didn't have time. Oh, my gosh. I would have told them that like, oh, part of my biology course is go digging in this lake for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did research in the lake. So like it was. <laughs> it definitely was. Oh, um, oh, my gosh. OK, so Kathy, we usually start this. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the, any of the other podcasts, but we usually start this with like a little play by play, shoot by shoot, like how you uh, got to where you are in terms of your orphan status. So like, I believe, my oh, my gosh, my Midwestern just really came out. Did you hear that? Yes. Your orphan status. <laughs> orphan, yeah. orphan yeah. status. If you just Clarissa, do you want to give her an example? I'll give you an example. So basically, it's a trauma by trauma. And, <laughs> and, um, resurface it all for you guys right yeah, now. Yeah, just like in an uh, outline form so we can really jump yeah, into we it. Yeah, kind of like, we feel like it just, you know, after a while of telling your story, whatever, you know, whatever anybody's story is, it does start to be a little like, this is the history and fact by fact by fact. So, we like to have a little yes. a little shoot by shoot at the beginning. So for me, I was orphaned at 12. My father died when I was 11 from uh, cirrhosis of the liver and kidney failure. But before that, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then she died from breast cancer when I was 12. And then I went to go live with my aunt and my uncle. And now I am a fully functioning orphan who is an adult doing adult things. And you want to know the crazy thing is Clarissa told me this story in college. And I remember thinking, oh my God. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. This is terrible. This is like, holy crap. And I was just thinking, wow, she's so strong. Oh. And little did I know that I would lose my mom to cancer mm -hmm. um, only a few years later. So it's so crazy uh, to be here talking to you about this now, now looking back. Um, but right after college, what we graduated and I took the summer to go travel through Europe because my mom always encouraged travel. She said it's the best education. And we were fortunate enough that people had given me monetary gifts because Middle Eastern people love to give you a check when you graduate. Yes. Uh, and I spent every last penny of it traveling to Europe. Europe. And that summer was really great. I got to go to the London Olympics. Whoa. And I remember having the time of my life and I had uh, gotten a job offer too, right out of college. So I was on cloud nine and it was a crazy job offer. I was planning events for an agency in Beverly Hills. And while I was in Europe, he sends me an email and he goes, are you coming back from your trip? because um, I want to offer you a job and we're doing parties at the Toronto Film Festival. So if you want the job, I'm going to need your full full name, your legal name, your date of birth, and your travel, uh, like your airline mile. Oh my God. <laughs> 
And I was like, well, what? And it was crazy. So I was on this cloud nine. And then when I got home from the trip, my mom wasn't feeling well. She went to the doctor and she got her diagnosis. So it was very short lived that cloud nine. And she lived with it for three years and then passed away. And I I don't want to talk about her illness just because I personally, it's very triggering for people to hear about um, illness and death. But um, she was so incredible. And I would love to talk to you guys about, not about her death, but about everything I've learned in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of crazy too, because, well, just to touch on it really quickly, like when your mom did pass away, I had reached out to you kind of randomly, like almost like the universe told me, hey, why haven't you talked to Kathy? Kathy's awesome. Why don't you give her a text or a call or something? And we hung out in Larchmont and walked around. And then you told me what happened. And I was like, Sarah and I can say it's not great to be in this club. But (laughs) once you know people in it, it is such a nice support system. And it is nice to talk to people who can understand, even in the slightest bit, the grief that comes with it all. Yeah, you don't have to preface anything. You can actually just say, like, this is where I'm at right now. This is... Yeah. Yeah. I think um, in the beginning too, is what I realized was I actually had no one to talk to Mm -hmm. that. Um, this was a really heavy topic to talk with people who hadn't been through it. Absolutely. And Clarissa coming into my life again at that time was so nice to just have someone to talk to because I was suppressing a lot and I was living alone without any roommates in LA and it was hard you know doing it not having anyone to talk to or feeling like I was burdening people who were happy by being a downer with a downer story exactly yeah we've talked about that a lot like especially because we're all very young to be dealing with these this kind of you know subject matter so Mm -hmm. the reality is most of our friends are lucky enough to not have had this part of their story written right and Mm. it does make it hard because it is such a disconnect and no one wants to talk about death and and grief because it's it's very taboo in most cultures right like don't talk about that part of life it's too sad It's too heavy, but it's a reality. Or even the things that come with it, like planning a funeral. Yeah. Picking the things that go with a funeral. Um, Taking care of someone's last wishes. Yeah. Those are all really heavy topics to talk about with someone who hasn't been through it or is just, and I, and I get it because I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys, this is maybe um, too specific of a question. Do you remember picking out either of your parents um, or your moms in your case, Kathy, last outfit at all? Like it's such a, you talk about the funeral and the thing that it's like a thing that you have to consider that at that moment you're like, what is the last thing that you want to, I don't know what they want to wear. I mean, I guess you kind (laughs) of do but when we did it we went down and my aunt and I like took the outfit down and um we've talked about this before on the podcast Kathy but my the funeral home that took care of my mom's service we were really good friends with the family that owned it so we came from a very small town and also like my parents were in a bridge club with his parents and so his parents had owned the funeral home and then subsequently he took over so he knew my mom really well and definitely like loved her and cared about her as a person and we had such a funny moment actually my aunt and I because we were unpacking the things and like telling him about it and I think both having a moment of being like why are we tell like he's going to give this to the person that deals with these things and then like that's it 
Like, I don't know why we're explaining it. But for some reason, we took out the socks that she was supposed to wear. And we had taken them from her drawer. And it was what we thought was a pair of black socks. And one was black and one was navy. And there was something, like, so lovely and funny. And my mama was like, you're the one that put these together. I'm not going back home for another pair of socks. You did this. You made this choice. And it was like we were just laughing, like, almost crying. We were laughing so hard. So... I oh my god I do remember having this conversation with my sister and just being like we need to make sure she is bougie (laughs) she needs to look real good like (laughs) we I remember we put ma in a scarf she is like when we were picking out the casket we were like we need it to be as red as her Lexus so my dad was like that's brilliant my dad's like you can only pick the ones at Costco because my dad's Egyptian he's like I have Costco membership we get a good deal (laughs) okay a good deal though my brother and I once talked about that like we just rented because my mom was going to be cremated but like even we were like oh wow it would have been cheaper to just get one at costco than actually rent one so go on did they have red ones at costco oh my god they had like the most gorgeous like red cherry ruby like with a little bit of like a glitter shine you know and we're like yes if you do my oh my gosh i'm gonna you um I'll show you guys. That's my mom. Oh, beautiful. So I'm just showing them a photo of my mom, but she was, this is like New Year's with a glass of champagne. She was, when she passed away, people were like, your mom was so regal. (gasps) I love that. So we really wanted that for her when we picked out her outfit and, you know, her florals and the casket. Um, So we did it up for sure. That's awesome. And, then, and I actually sang um, in choir at San Diego State. So I decided I was going to sing Amazing Grace at my mother's oh, funeral. That's beautiful, but I, also I, how? I forgot the words. <laughs> <laughs> started re-singing the chorus. Oh, I love it. And only one other person at the funeral like hopped in to see <laughs> with me oh. this is my cousin Nancy it was like oh my gosh I'm like my mom's probably thinking this whole funeral is a train wreck <laughs> Uh, no, she was loving it because there was so much love in that although I am fascinated by this because I'm a singer as well and I for years after my mom passed and my dad too but like especially my mom I couldn't sing without just bursting into tears so like oh yes that's true that is true I was like I was hysterical okay and because I, I was like how did you even find breath to do that like I'm so wildly impressed you know what I used to sing to her too and she would say like you have the most beautiful voice Aww. I think like I would sing to her just for the hype you know I was like yeah yes. you know your mom always like your mom's always hype you up so you're like yes mom so she so I was like I gotta do this for her I gotta I gotta do this I was a mess there was like snot everywhere I I kept shaking because I was trying to like find the lyrics of amazing grace on my phone and play the song at the same time what (laughs) what were you playing it on I was playing it off of like Spotify and like off my phone and trying to like read the lyrics and like I I 
I don't know Amazing Grace. I, I did not <laughs> but prepare. But still, I mean, the fact that there, again, there's so much love in the fact that you were like, this is a tribute that I want to do. I think yeah. that's absolutely beautiful and brilliant. And also there is this moment of like, what if <laughs> fantastic is the wrong word. What a memory to have from that oh, yeah. to be able to oh. both be like, it was a beautiful tribute, but also I can find the humor in the moment of like looking back on that. You're like, if you wrote that in a script, someone would be like, no. Oh my gosh. It is such a wild story that I don't know if I should share it right now or wait, but share whatever you want, whatever you want, get get into it. My mom's funeral was such a shit show. Um, (laughs) it was like a, I don't know if you've ever seen death at a funeral, but my mom's side of the family had flown in from the East coast. We were having the funeral on a Thursday because my cousin on my dad's side of the family was getting married on Saturday. Oh, so oh the family was like, you need to bury your mom before the wedding. Cause then you're going to throw off our whole wedding. So we were, and we were Whoa. bridesmaids in the wedding that was supposed to be coming up. Oh my which God. Was oh, that's so much. It was so, it's hilarious. But then, okay. So listen to this story. We, so not all of the family could come to my mom's funeral who wanted to, because it wasn't on a weekend. Um, so those who could fly in from the East coast did one of my cousins who suffered at the time from substance abuse Mm. after the funeral, we go back to my house and we start, I don't know if you guys did this, but because my mom's family was already there, we start dividing my mom's things amongst her sisters Mm. and her sister-in-laws. And we just start packing her stuff and giving it, letting people take what they want. And which for me was very healing. I didn't want my mom's things because for some reason it felt almost like I was looting a parent, which was a very weird feeling. Mm. I didn't want to take her things. There were some sweaters I wanted to hold on to just so I could smell them and keep them, but everything else I wanted her sisters to take. And so as they are packing things up, I noticed that my sister and my cousin and my aunt and his sisters are missing. Like where are they? Why are they not back from the funeral? Next thing you know, I get a call from my sister that they are in the hospital, that my cousin had collapsed right after the funeral Oh gosh! in the hotel room. And they had rushed him to the hospital only to find out that he had relapsed on his substance abuse. Oh no. Oh wow. And I'm over here like, this is not possible of all freaking days. It ended up being a blessing in disguise because the whole family was there and no one had known that he had relapsed. Um, and he had been to, he had been in recovery like two different times. Mm. So it kind of ended up being a blessing in disguise, but in the moment it was like, I don't know, it was like out of a bad comedy movie. I, they found him passed out. He has relapsed. Mom's dead. I need to get, I need to get ready for a wedding in two days. Like oh, wow. it was a nightmare. I mean, the shit couldn't have hit the fan all at the same time, all at once. And I mean, there was, I guess there's no better way to do it, right? You know, than to have this all go down. <laughs> Luckily, I, I don't think if we hadn't all essentially been in town finding out he had relapsed, I don't think he would have ever recovered. Mm. But I want to let you guys know, five years later, he's getting married. He has a baby on the way. Oh. He is completely sober. And we are just oh, so beautiful. grateful that he's turned his life around. That's awesome. And he is so near and dear to my heart. But yeah. Yeah, it was quite possibly the craziest day of my life. Oh my God, what chaos. I mean, already, right? Just one of those things is chaotic, yeah. emotionally, mentally, physically chaotic. But to have all three happen in the same yeah. weekend? <laughs> like, we got people back. Of course, we got my mom's shit. We got a cousin in the hospital. I gotta go get my hair done for this 
wedding. I got my go get my nails done. I oh messed up amazing grace. Like ah. it was just oh my god, over the top. When it rains, but pours. I don't think that like any of those days go off without a hitch, right? Like when my father passed away, everyone came into town for it, and as we were leaving for the wake, my grandfather fell down our front stairs and actually never <laughs> made it to the funeral. He had no. he had like cognitive issues for the rest of his life, but he was in the hospital. But the police that showed up, the cop that showed up with the EMTs was my dad's friend who we had not been able to get hold of who we wanted to be a pallbearer. And I started sobbing and was like, oh my gosh, we've been trying to get hold of you. Like, are you able to be a pallbearer? He didn't know my father was dead. Oh, he had been God. on vacation with his family. Oh, no. And so like, what? my grandfather is over there. Like, they're trying to help him. My... It, <sighs> It was all just, it is these, these like intense things that happen on these days because again, the energy is already so like up, right? Like, and my grandfather was also an alcoholic and I'm not sure if he was inebriated at the time. Like my father was too. Like I have a huge, like I understand recovery and addicts and like, I know Clarissa and I have talked about it as well since her father was as well. Like, so to hear that your cousin is like doing great is brilliant. But like none of these days go off without a hitch. Like there's always I feel like they're like only in movies do you see that like everybody shows up and gets into the limo and they all just proceed carefully and calmly to the quietly with, with one I'm like, little like, like perfect tears like coming down their cheek and they're all dressed so fashionably and everyone's yep. hair is done nice. I'm like, have you been to a funeral? Doves are released. Yeah. Oh my god. Did you guys have actually any crazy ideas that you wanted to do for your parents' funeral that got ixnade? Oh god. I mean, I was so young, so I didn't really have a say in most of anything. I think they were just like, "All right, come over here. Come over here. Do you want to say something?" And I was like, "Like what? Like what am I? What am I gonna say?" She's dead. I miss her. I love you guys. Bye. I was 12, you know, so I'm like, I don't know what I would say. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to hire a full gospel choir. (gasps) I I was like, I love it. And they said no. Everyone was like, no, 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 no. I got shot down. I was like, okay, I'm putting it in my last will and testament that you better have a full gospel choir show up to sing me out, girl. Yes. That's what I want. Yes. And and this podcast is proof. Okay, people, yeah. listen. I have it in writing. I have it recorded for a I have it. Re- <laughs> I want to go out like with a full gospel choir. Yes. My mom always said similar thing. She always wanted kind of like, Anola style funeral and she loved jazz and blues and so she loved the song Gospel John by Maynard Ferguson and so we happened to grow up in an area and my brother is a band director now but also a fantastic saxophone player went to school with the jazz program at his university as like one Grammys they're amazing and he's played with them and his a lot of our friends have gone through it or he had friends with it so uh, our dear friend Joe reached out Joe is a year older than my brother and my brother is a year older than me but we grew up down the street from each other and our we're family friends and everything and Joe said, is there anything I can do for you guys? And my brother said, well, my mom always wanted this. And people, our friends from, they were spread out across the world and across the United States. And Joe said within like 25 minutes, he had an email back from everyone saying, yes, I'll be there. And they played the most beautiful version of this song. And there is no recording. And part of us is like sad about that. And part of me is like, no, because it lives on in a way like that. It was like my uncle who's they're not church folk. And he was like, can you say that you enjoyed a funeral? He's like, that was the best funeral I've ever been to. But it was also very funny because afterwards, our friend Andy, who we grew up with, happens to be a beautiful flugelhorn player. 
And he was like, I don't know if you know the song, but it's kind of like a dirge at the beginning. Like it starts very like low and sad. It's beautiful, but it's very lamenting at the very beginning. And then the kick drum just comes in and it's nothing but like up. So like people were standing up and like clapping and like it was fantastic. But Andy at the time was playing with like all these different brass bands and he had like a handlebar mustache and he looked (laughs) big city, I guess. But so we're sitting at the luncheon in the church basement afterwards and Andy's talking about when the Preservation Hall jazz band, like I think he was was it Preservation Hall? He was working, or it was Mama Dig Downs, but he was working with a big brass band and they were doing recordings in this old barn so that they could get that kind of sound, you know? Mm. And Andy just says, and he's like, and we're in the middle of like bumfuck nowhere. And one of the church ladies just happened to walk by then and she's just like, oh, we're somewhere. Like she thought he was talking is like, I grew up here. I know who you are. Like, she just didn't recognize him with his mustache. And it was so much funny. I was like, he flew in, like he came in just to like do this thing. And obviously like he was very, he loved my mom very much. And my mom was like a band mama too. So like all the kids loved her and we just had that like hangout house. But I'm, I'm sad that your family shot down the gospel choir. So I do think you're correct to put it in your will. Yeah. Put it in writing. Maybe even suss out the group that you would choose so that they know, like, you're like, this is the number you call, okay? I want those people on TikTok who are, like, the six square acapella group. (laughs) (laughs) I forget what they're called, but they're amazing. Could you please send a message that says, do you do funerals? Because I think if you do the legwork ahead of time. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I'm hoping in 80, 70 years, 70 years, you guys will perform at my funeral. Yeah. I mean, give it 80. That's fine. That is so amazing. Yeah, 80. 80. Give me to 110. Yeah, Yeah, why not? (laughs) It's possible. Medicine's going somewhere. It's going to get Yeah. Oh my gosh, Plus, I'm invested. I'm invested. I know. I'm Plus, I'm like, look at it. I'm like, she's fine. She got, she got many years ahead of her. Oh my many gosh, years. Oh, funny. that's. Funny. I would. I wanted to go to your mom's funeral. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it was, it was great. But she truly had said it forever. She was like, when I die, this is what I want to happen. Including that spring, she passed away unfortunately in March. But even like the week before, she had told my brother when he was trying to figure out his song for like parade season for his kids. She's like, you know what song you could do? Could do gospel John. (laughs) So I know like for one year that the kids did it too for the parade season as kind of like an homage and yeah, really sweet. But I still maintain the way that you were like able to sing Amazing Grace. I don't don't get it. Like the same way that I am. I still am in awe. My brother played with that version of Gospel John and I have no idea where he found the breath to do it. Uh, It's like, honestly, you want to know what I realized is that the universe gives you strength when you need it. And I know it's like you find the strength, like you pull it out of somewhere. Yeah. I do believe that I'm going to be so open and honest. I grew up in the church. I am very spiritual and I do believe that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Right. And I was Mm. thinking at that time, God must think I can handle a lot right now. Yeah. And I just pull, you just pull the strength out of you to just put one foot in front of the other. I mean, I think like people talk about death and stages and grieving and stages. Mm-hmm. And I think there to a degree, maybe there are stages, but I think everyone copes so differently. And I think that maybe the whole stages thing is like something that you go through in your mind. Right. And it's like, at first you're just like in shock. Cause I think, I think I handled the funeral pretty well for the most part, but I think it was kind of like shell shock, yeah. you know, cause you're still processing the fact like they haven't been gone for that long. Mm-hmm. But 
then once she had been gone for like a long time, it was then I was actually went through the feeling of I was really missing her. That was the hard part was like then trying to convince my mind you are not going to see this person again in this lifetime. Mm, You need to figure out who are you going to talk to about these things that you would usually go to your mom with? Because my mom and I did have, thank God, a good relationship. Um, And, and I did know her uh, as an adult. I was 25 when she passed away. So to a degree, I knew her as an adult, but I hadn't really, I hadn't really gotten to, I don't think really know your parent once, you know, my dad's now seven. So now I I know my dad so much better than I did six years ago or five years ago. And so I think like I started to go through these stages of like depression and missing her and longing for her and not really knowing what to do. I had, I don't know if you guys went through this, but I couldn't sleep well for years. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I was the opposite. I couldn't stay awake. That's my trauma response. It's I like, had, I had like nope. OCD actually. Like, like oh. I started developing a lot of um, obsession over certain things like the room I was in in my aunt's house had a lot of spiders in it because it was the guest room so nobody was ever in there so there were just like spiders that actually lived there and then I came in and crashed their party um (laughs) but it 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 made me develop this kind of OCD about killing spiders and making sure that my space was clean there were a lot of spiders that were in this room like pretty big spiders with like little yellow dots on their back so you know, super scary for a 12 year old. And or they person. would just, <laughs> or anybody, and they would like, you know, I'd walk into my room and there'd be one, a big one on the wall. And I had this like canopy over my bed. And sometimes they'd climb up the canopy. Sometimes they'd be like, I'd see one on my bed. So I developed this like OCD ness <laughs> about me where. Every single night before I went to bed, I like pulled this pillow, pulled that pillow, pulled this sheet, pulled that sheet, wipe, 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 pulled this again, did this, did that. And like had this whole ritual every single night of how I would do things, one to ward off spiders. But at a certain point, the spiders stopped coming and I was still doing it. And it like manifested in this like, and I, I still have that part of me. Sometimes I will notice if I'm really upset, I'll start reverting to rituals Mm, yeah and it's never that bad like i'm not the type of person necessarily who's like i have to walk 13 steps and then drop jump the 14th or anything that intense but it will be that maybe i have to brush my teeth a certain way or i have to um make the bed a certain way or i have to like put my clothes away in this specific order otherwise you know unknown amounts of horrible things will happen oh that's so tough babe That is so crazy you say that because I didn't develop those types of habits until after my mom passed away because I had to have control over something in a world I didn't have control over. Yeah. And I couldn't release the fact that I couldn't control. So I needed to find things I could control. And I still do these habits to today. I'm not even kidding. Do you mind if I ask one of them? Um, They are making my bed religiously religiously um what I tell myself is what do I have to do today to make me happy because I have to constantly remind myself which is one of the things that I think is so hard about healing after a loss is you have to remind yourself what it is that made you happy before the loss 
and then trying to still implement it in your life today for your mental health Mm -hmm. because my mental health suffered so much after for me it was such a great loss that I I couldn't even wrap my mind around how to move on so I created habits Mm. that I did have control over things need to be put in certain places Um, uh, clutter and chaos drive me crazy Um, Mm. so it, it, it manifested into diving deeply into work and not dating at all I had no space to date because I couldn't wrap Mm. my mind around I had just lost the greatest loss I could possibly imagine why would I date someone when I know I'm gonna lose them again was literally my mindset it was so I went through just like I was a crazy person I couldn't wake up or go to work and so I began creating these habits so that I could control something. And I'm not saying that these are healthy habits. I also never went to therapy for this, which I'm sure I probably need tons of therapy because I'm sure if we stayed on this podcast long enough, we would excavate some crazy shit. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say not so much need, but you deserve because I will always say therapy is a good idea for everyone. Oh, yeah. Like for your own self, you deserve the insight of therapy. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Did both did both of you do therapy? Yeah. yeah. You know, I lost my parents so young. They made me see a therapist at first, right? Because I was a minor and they're like, she's got some problems. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's like, all they spoke out the side of their mouth. Yeah, that's mm. that's how all the teachers there were like, that girl Clarissa, she's got a rap sheet. No, um <laughs> but I think they were just concerned, right? Because it happened during formative years. So they're like, mm. oh, maybe she'll get into drugs or alcohol or, you know, I don't know, do something crazy. So we should keep tabs on her just because most people don't have to deal with that at such a young yeah. age. So I remember seeing a British woman at school. Don't remember what she said or really what she looked like. And I remember hated go- hating going to her because I was like, you're just making me seem like I'm different and I'm a middle schooler and I want to be the same oh, as everybody yes. else. And then I had an art therapist who came to the house before my mother passed. So my dad had already passed away. And we had this art therapist come to the house because my mother was already in the nursing home and taking a turn for the worse. And there was, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but this art therapist, God bless her. She did not mean to do anything wrong, but she kind of said like, oh, when, you know, your mom dies and my, my little cousin was with me and was like, when Aunt Carmen passes away and my little cousin was like, she's dying and started freaking out, which made me start freaking out because I was like, she didn't know, she didn't know. And the art therapist was like, I'm sure in her mind, she's like, well, fuck 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 but also in her mind she's like this is what i'm here to help you deal with is this reaction right i mean she thought that we already knew right you know she might have she might have handed it out a little bit more gently than she did had she thought that we we that she it was just not a good situation i wonder because like even like listening to uh who's it brene brown's always like clear as kind right yeah so in one way Yes, but in the other way, I wonder if she was like 
I don't want to say this in a devastating way, but I need to say it as plainly as possible so that like it isn't like, oh, they might be going away or like that there isn't right. confusion about uh-huh. it. Like, I find myself curious. Can we get her on the show? Can we find this, this poor woman? <laughs> well, this is the thing is after that happened, I was like, I don't want her here anymore. Don't bring her back. That's right. I don't want to see her. Right. And then I didn't get back into therapy until, what, maybe four years ago, three years ago. Uh-oh. So it took me my whole damn life yeah. <laughs> before I was able to accept that I deserved to have someone help me talk through a lot of the traumas I had faced as a child and the traumas I face, I continue to face as an adult, right? There's big trauma and little trauma. We've all experienced that big thing, the things that people fear the most mm-hmm. in their lives. But even right now, like we've been talking about COVID a lot on the show, because there is so much grief with COVID, both with people passing and with little things like grieving the loss of normalcy, grieving the ability to go out and just like feel safe. You know, yeah. Like, you know, like just feeling safe. Grieving and- goes so beyond just it's any loss any loss Mm. and it's learning to cope and use a toolkit to help you get through any type of loss in general which I think I don't know if you guys have felt like you have the tools during COVID but I so felt like thank you God I have the tools I have the tools I've been here before I have been in the darkest lowest place in my mind five years ago Mm. if I can get through that I am going to get through this is what I told myself. Oh, yeah. I think definitely that resonates. Absolutely. There is this sense of like, I have seen worse days than what. Oh, absolutely. You know? And so it's like, okay, though I am feeling down or, you know, whatever is manifesting within me, whatever is being triggered within me during this time, I'm like, I got through it once. I know I can do it again. Like, I'm still just as strong, if not stronger now. So um, definitely that resonates. Oh, yeah. Those mantras I live and swear by, I have to tell myself every day, you've done it before. You could do it again. The world is for you, not against you. Telling mm. you have control over your own peace. Release your anxiety and be at peace. And I would say these things to myself in the morning, every day, like, don't freak out. Like, like, you got this. I honestly, like, uh, people say, like, the grass is greener on the other side. Let me tell you, the grass is brown. That person has a brown grass. You should just be <laughs> thankful. You be thankful on your side of the grass and water your own lawn and mind your business. You do not, like, you don't want what is going on on the other side of that fence. Let me tell you. And there are people <laughs> yeah. who, who went through it. I've heard crazy yeah, yeah. stories during COVID of people losing family members and their businesses and homeschooling. And it's like yeah. all at once. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you that I have my health and I have my wellness. And that's one of the biggest lessons I took away from grief was gratitude. It was just that I became yeah. more grateful for my health. I became more grateful for the people still in my life. I became grateful for the people who supported me while I was grieving my mom and couldn't even get myself out of bed. Those are the people mm-hmm. I will forever be in debt to who literally guided me, mentored me, and walked me through the process of grieving I remember someone coming up to me at my mom's funeral and saying honey like matter of fact like 
very plain and straightforward in a kind manner. She said, one day we all lose someone. Every person on this planet will lose someone. And if you stay sad like this, imagine the world we would live in with everyone sad like you. And she didn't mean it in a mean way. She meant it in a way that like, don't stay in this energy. Yeah, like take your time to feel this right now, but know that there's no honor in staying sad. There's no honor in like, you don't honor them more greatly by staying in the hardest Mm. part of it. Oh, yeah. Rather than actually living and working through your grief. Earlier, you were talking about the five stages, right? And people often talk about this. And earlier this year, I'm sorry, earlier last year, I read the books that those are actually based on. And it's interesting, what, what often gets lost is that the researcher that created those or talks about those never intended it to be a continuum. It was always going to be an ebb and flow of it. So sometimes like you regress to one. It's not like, oh, tick, I've got that one out of the way. Now I'm done with this one. Okay, grief managed, like mischief managed in Harry Potter. Not how it works. You know, like you have to, like there is a back and forth because the same as there's like big T trauma and then there's like little things. There's daily things that you witness not being able to be with them, right? Like you said, that daily recognition of just even like, oh, my mom's not here. Years later, like we all are, it's not generally as affronting every day. As those first days when it was like you would forget all the time. And so even in COVID, like I find myself, like you said, being very grateful because I have a support system in my head. When I start to go to that place that feels tough, that I'm like, oh, I have a thing to do. Whether it's repeating the mantra, whether it's calling my therapist, whether it's just taking a deep breath and realizing like you need to sit and have a cup of coffee and not do anything else. Or like, just take yourself for a walk. Like I had a therapist once that was like five minutes a day, even if it's that, get out of your house. She's like, just get out of your norm. Walk a different direction every day. You know, and she's just like, it doesn't have to be long. It just has to be enough that you change that feedback loop that doesn't say like, this is what always happens. And when this always happens, I always feel sad. And this is like, then instead you get to go, here's a new route. And I think I think that ties so much into at least personally, my own journey with spirituality, because I know you've talked about your spirituality, Kathy, and, Mm. and Sarah and I have talked about it too. But that kind of notion of I was raised Buddhist, and um, I didn't continue with it because honestly, because my mother died, it was her thing. And and, mm-hmm. and I kind of, it was never my thing, like in a weird way. I was a child, right? It was always something I had to go to. It wasn't something I necessarily chose for myself, I guess. But in adulthood, it's kind of those little influences of when I was a child, those morals and values that were set then come out and have changed in a different way for me in that when I do go on that walk to clear mm-hmm. my head, I like consciously go, what does the wind feel like on my mm-hmm. skin? Oh, that's my mm. mother giving me a kiss. Mm. Oh, what is what is this cool breath coming into my lungs? I can breathe. What a what a gift that I can breathe. Look, feel my thighs moving. And it becomes this kind of like spiritual. It can be. Of course, there's days, you know, there's days when I'm like, well, I'm so mad about <laughs> this and I'm upset about that. And I'm just like on a rage run. But when I do take the time to allow myself to assess the sensations happening in my body, whether it's emotional or physical or 
whatever. It can be such a spiritual experience for me where especially I'm I'm in Colorado right now. So it's a new landscape. And when I'm walking through, there's this area called the Greenbelt that's like this brushy area that has coyotes and deer and rabbits uh. and all this beautiful landscape. And you're walking through it and then you can see the mountains, like these Colorado mountains, these majestic like hulks of beauty that have just risen out of the ground. And it does make me go, I'm not alone. Like there's something else here. You know, I see the peaks with the snow on them and I'm like, okay, I am connected to this world. I am here on purpose. I am breathing the air that was at those peaks that this bird is swooping by in. Like this fluid that flows between all of us is connecting all of us. And it does make me feel like so almost like, you know, like I can feel that Native American blood like flowing through me from my dad's (laughs) side. I'm like, okay, I feel it. Like we're all part of the same earth and it can feel very like we're all part of this, this circle of life so healing <laughs> i'm telling people yeah. if you are feeling so low getting out and doing exactly what clarissa is saying it's just like getting out in nature mm-hmm. it is the most healing thing to just breathe in fresh air and have that time sometimes alone to yourself with your thoughts i'm an advocate for meditation a hundred percent call it prayer, yes. some call it meditation, but just being alone with your thoughts, but making them thoughts that are, you have to change your mindset. I was in this mindset that I was never going to get over this loss, that I was just, you know, in a dark place. And I had to reframe the whole way I thought about life that I, I thought the world was a dark, evil place. And I needed to change that mindset and say, no, the world is not against me. The world is not waiting to pull the rug from under me. There are, the world is for me. The world wants to support me. People want to support me. People want to help me. When I changed my mind, mindset about that was when I started to find those people in my life and find those activities that I I enjoyed that began to help me heal. It took a lot of journaling. It took a lot of reflection, looking in and saying, what is going to make me happy today? What is going to just one step forward in healing myself? I don't think people can say that there's closure. You had closure because you knew it was coming and you got to say goodbye. And I don't think that's fair to say that people will ever find closure. I think you find a way to move forward with life and continue on with life and have a sense of peace. But I don't know that I would ever meet someone who says I have 100% closure with everything. Yeah, I don't really understand that phrase. I know that it is, like you said, it's a thing that people say, yeah. right? Like, oh, like, I didn't get closure on this. And I'm just like, what does that mean? Like, it, it just means you didn't get a reflection of reality, uh, of the truth of it. Like, what I don't understand what the thing is that would equate to closure either. Like, it's a false equivalent. Yeah. It's such a final kind of word, right? That yeah. closure, like you're closing a book and you're putting it away. And you're like, good, with- I grieved them. Boop. Yeah, it's like with... With life, with anything, right? I feel like I was always looking for closure with like, you know, past relationships and stuff that didn't end well. And I'm thinking, oh, I didn't get the closure I wanted. But the reality is, I didn't know what the hell that was. 
Nothing would have been closure. I just had to grieve and deal and move and grow. And, you know, I sometimes think of <laughs> at least the grief of my parents. It felt like someone just like saw a hole in me, like this gaping hole. Right. And though it's like this thing that's there, it's still there. There's still a hole, but it's got softer tissue around it. And I know how to care for it. And I know and I know where it is and I know what it means. And even though it was something horrible, I also hold it so dear to myself, like the little mm. moments and memories that I do have of my parents now are that much more I don't know clear just share it yeah yeah so that little hole that's within me is actually something I love in a weird way even though it's full it's painful sometimes it's like it's 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 part of who I am why I am part of your journey it's part of your story and I honestly believe it's part of your purpose I was talking to Clarissa Mm -hmm. uh before um this podcast um a few days ago just talking about one of the greatest things I found is there is purpose in my pain Mm -hmm. I unfortunately lost my grandmother and my aunt during COVID and you know everyone's going through this weird time where you can't have proper funerals and it it, Mm -hmm. And I felt finally that I had purpose for my pain because I was able to use the tools that I've learned over the past five years with my grieving and healing to help now my cousins who are the same age as me who are going through the loss of their mother, my aunt. And I'm able to use these techniques as kind of like of self-soothing to help myself Mm -hmm. be at peace with the loss of my grandmother. And I do believe that what you're doing is you are using your pain for purpose to help so many people out there with your podcast who like me maybe five years ago wish they had someone to listen to um, who could talk them through and show them that hey there is a light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that there is a way where you can heal and it's okay to grieve there are people who have walked in your shoes before you who want to help you who want to listen to you and who want to lift you and give you the peace that you are so deserving of in your life and grief in any of its forms is tough but you are never alone and so I'm so grateful that you guys have like created such an amazing platform for people like me to share my story but also I'm I'm listening to your podcast and I'm learning all the time (laughs) it's the same for us I mean we have been so blessed I think is the right word to know so many amazing people and have met so many amazing people who unfortunately have gone through tough traumas but Mm -hmm. have all learned such interesting little tidbits and as they kind of impart that knowledge and that wisdom I feel like there's been a few times where Sarah and I are like "Ooh, that's a good one like I really identify with but write that down down. (laughs) there is that commonality right that brings out that shared that shared grief brings out shared knowledge as well because there is an uh, implicit understanding but then again there's ways that some people dealt with it or experiences that they have that it is so specific that it's like oh wow I'm really witnessing something that I maybe even couldn't witness within myself even if I had a similar experience that it's like I couldn't recognize that until I see someone else doing it like so just by hearing your story even you do really go like oh man like what a remarkable human and what uh like what like you said what a healing and wonderful soul to be able to share that with us and to be able to share that 
with so many people because that's how, again, we started this podcast because people weren't talking about it. And even Clarissa and I just talked the other day. She said, before you, I didn't know anybody else who was an orphan. No, like I just didn't. Like, because how the hell do you bring that up in a conversation? You know, like, how do you go? I mean, especially in like this world of LA parties we live in, like talk about being the donor. Like everybody's like, positivity only. (laughs) We're just really pulling in the best stuff for ourselves. And you're like, yeah, okay, but also reality. This is, I'm not trying to be a donor. I'm literally just telling you. Yeah, this is just this my, is truth. my truth. My truth. So my situation they're... right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things I can't change, guys. I <laughs> and I think I struggle with that a little bit in terms of manifestation because, like, again, that's such a big thing in LA that everyone talks about. And I, I am very much a meditator. I do pray. I do have these like ways that, again, I try to have a, a perspective that serves me you know what I mean like it, there's a lot of times when in this town it's like if that doesn't serve me if it's just hurting me by doing that like why am I doing it I'm gonna yeah. let it go and so when you feel like people are like oh you're being so negative that your mom died you're like, like uh yeah um but also it happened I don't what do you mean and and then again like on the flip side there was a long time I talked about in therapy that I was like are they implying I manifested this oh my god <laughs> like oh. what no, that there karma is. this was like some karma you didn't I know. I was like, girl in your house. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't burn like, enough sage, girl. <laughs> Not you enough this on yourself. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I didn't visit House of Intuition. Oh my god. Times. By the way, we love House of Intuition. I have the crystals. We do. We yes. do. I do have crystals in my home. Um, it's a lot of oh, love yeah, crystals do. now because obviously praying to my mom for her to bring me a quality can has not worked. <laughs> she is on vacation up there. Um, She's like, I'm she busy. busy. All right. um, probably doing social <laughs> gatherings up there for everyone. Mm-hmm. All her home girls um, who are on the other side and oh, have yeah. crossed over. I'm telling you that big couch is real. <laughs> they just having a big old cocktail party all the time. <laughs> just living it up. They're like, look, we they did were, the hard part. She is now so over are. my issues down here. <laughs> I was like, I was like, in the beginning, I was like, oh, mom, please drop down from the heavens. <laughs> oh, just a quality man with a with four wheels. <laughs> who loves jesus but um that is like asking for a unicorn in la so i went up and i bought crystals guys i have all the heart heart chakra crystal yep oh yeah although i will say i have a couple crystals that were my mom's that were by her bedside that i still keep by mine too and i i love that yeah you know what they mean do you know what the crystals mean or I know one that she had gotten from her sister, actually, my Aunt Nina, um, because she had had heart surgery. So it was like for healing and for like mm. for heart strength. It was like the pink. Um, oh, I, I look them up every I, time. I, I know which one. Yeah. But it's like it's that light, light pink. The rose yeah. quartz. Yeah. They're, yes. Rose quartz. And I think she like she even had one that was like buffed into this shape <gasps> of a heart. Oh, yeah. I have one of those. And so like it's by my bedside. Yep. I still have it. Yeah. And every once in a while, like, cause she had several things and for the most part I've kept them, but every once in a while, if I have somebody like, I really know who's in distress or like really needs it. I just, I'm like, I'm passing this on to you. Cause it's got a, it's got a lot of good juju oh, in it. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. 
Right. Oh my God, this flew by. It flew by so fast. All the best ones do. I mean, we're going to have her for at least part two of this. Part two. Please, (laughs) if you would be so gracious, we would love to have you again. Oh my God, this was so fun. I feel like we could talk about all of this forever. Thank you so much for being on here and talking with us. We like someone sharing their story in such a vulnerable and honest way is really where the healing starts for other people because you get to have that moment where you hear someone else actually just saying the thing that's sometimes feels too tough to say yeah so that's really yeah beautiful. and I, also I, I do not um usually share any of these stories with anyone so i mean this is like this was great group therapy for me but also just thank you guys oh absolutely yeah. now kathy yeah yes. you go ahead you gonna say okay, it so we have this okay. little game this little game we <laughs> okay, play little game. it's called could you just not it's our little ranting session to get out any little grievances you have about grief Usually it's targeted towards parent loss. Yes, yes. Towards the grief we're discussing on the podcast. And so we will do two as we'll do our own could you just nots and then we'll come to you. So you can listen, get the vibe, and then you can come up with one too. Do you have one? (laughs) Do you want me to go first? I do have one. Oh, you go first. I'll remember. Okay. So this is my could you just not. Could you just not put out a mass email at work without asking me to tell everyone that my parent has died? I get the intention is very kind. You want people to sign a card. You want people to be aware and to be sensitive. But when people who don't know how to deal with grief and death are suddenly cocking their head sideways at you at work, it is not helpful. I am here at work to hide out from my grief. I want to put my head down like the rest of the world and get it done and not think about it. So it's fine if you want to tell people, but ask me first. I think that we have to have a, a little bit of a discussion about how information is disseminated. It's not a secret. I'm, on, I'm not also saying you got to not tell anyone, but could you just not forget to ask what might actually be best for my healing process yeah. instead of mm. just assuming that telling everyone is the way. Yeah. That's my little... I, I mean, with love. Like, I, I, I know it's always done with the best of intention. I right. know it's always done. But it can bring about a very awkward That is shady gossiper in the workplace. You shady. You just, like, ratted, yeah. ratted me out. That's the thing, That's too. That's the thing, too. <laughs> That's the thing, too. It's like, which That's coworker true. did it where you're like, you don't even like me. Yeah. You just yep. wanted to spread yeah. the tea. <laughs> and that is part of it. I'm like, I don't want you coming up to me and saying you're sorry for me. You don't even talk to me usually. And I don't even like you. And you don't like me. That's okay. <laughs> oh gosh, you fake the so, hell, girl. You fake. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, look, we can deal with you being fake. I don't I'm like, I don't have to deal with but it. But not about this. this. Yeah, but mine. Just, don't feel like you got to approach me. <laughs> yeah. Not today. <laughs> She's so <laughs> okay. I have one. All right. Mine is Could you just not be too hard on me when I forget to do things, omit things, don't follow up? Listen, sometimes that grief is like a very heavy blanket and I can't see shit. Okay. So please, <laughs> could you just not, or could you just allow me a bit of forgiveness when things go awry? <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it. And also, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying I so damn hard. You just not with a little apology. And also, I don't mean it too. <laughs> I don't mean. I don't mean to not call you back or not text you back. Believe me, <laughs> you're in my mind. You, I, my fingers just ain't working today. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it even happens between the two of us, and oh I do God. apologize. But you're just like, look, I know your head's in it. Like you're you're going through a moment. And I'm like, no, that's you. the thing is, especially <laughs> this year when it's for me, it's brought up some old traumas. Right, I'm seeing oh, people yeah. losing people, and it's making me remember my loss right that yep. i'm like sometimes i thought i answered your text and i only answered it in my mind i'm so sorry 99 percent of the time yeah i'm sorry i will get to you eventually <laughs> kathy just said that's, that's a real thing. thing yeah that is relatable content right there girl right i'm like i don't think this is just this is not just orphanish shit this is like no. everybody's shit i'm so sorry listen i love you all if i'm ignoring you you will know it like It'll be very different. <laughs> like, gr- grief makes me able to handle about one task a day. Yes. Yesterday, I did all of my dishes, and that was half of my day. Yeah. <laughs> I kept trying to do other work, and was like, my brain was like, no, bitch, you already did it. Yeah. You did your thing for today. I am tapped out. Like, listen, you need to watch a movie. I kept, like, rereading the same page of the thing I was supposed to be doing. I was like, oh, God, this is never going to get all right, guess. Do you have one? Okay, so could you just not ask me how I'm feeling when you know some crazy shit just happened? Like, you know, like, why are you asking how I'm feeling? Oh, I'm feeling great. I want to go to Taco Tuesday. No, <laughs> I am grieving, girl. That is not how to approach me. How are you feeling? Oh my God, I want to just go like fiesta. No, I feel like shit. What did you want me to say? Oh, I'm feeling great. No. Um, so yeah, I've literally had people <laughs> during a, a loss come up to me and be like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, oh, no. you like, choose different like, words. How yes. are you feeling is not the one. Just oh. want to let you know, I'm here for you. If you want to yes. talk. Yep. Like my door is always Yes. I can't begin to imagine what you're dealing with, but if you need a shoulder, I got yeah. one. But also we were talking about this the other day, Clarissa and I, like with that, I think one of the things that we can really encourage people to do in grief as outsiders to the grief, I, you're having your own set of grief as well. But if it's someone who's lost a parent or someone close to them, make that offer, but also follow up because sometimes yeah. we're so buried in our own grief that like your offer to be there anytime I need is amazing. And yet when I'm in my shit, the last thing I'm going to do is call yeah. anyone. Yeah. yeah, It wasn't until I lost a parent that I started texting people on Mother's Day and Father's Day saying, Mm. I don't know if you guys do this too, but my friends who have lost a father or who have lost a mother, I always check in with them on those types of holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and just say, thinking of you, I love you. I know what it's like. I I don't say this, but I know what it's like to have an empty chair at my table today too, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm here for you we brought that up for sure. Like the empty chair at the table thing was part of our 12 days of grief miss. Oh, yeah. Yep. Previously. Joe Biden said it yesterday in his speech, too. Oh, really? That he brought it up again of like because of COVID. Like it's just, it's a, yeah. it's a real thing. Truly, Kathy, we could talk for. Oh, my God. Views, so please, thank God you've already said yes to a part two. Yes. As much as what she wants for her funeral is on this podcast. Uh, exactly. So we'll, is that. She has already out, agreed. We will literally be sending out your registrar or whatever, wherever you want people to go. Get you uh, a gift for that funeral. Yes. 
I know. I'll, I'll, I'm going to find that gospel choir uh, link so that they know where They're to go. Called <laughs> at Ear Candy, E-A-R-C-A-N-D-Y. If you want to check them out on TikTok, <laughs> you are going to love that. Shout out at Ear okay, Candy. Okay, at Ear Candy. I mean, we might have to put that on Instagram so folks yeah. can get involved with them too. Kathy, where can people find you? Tell us about yeah, you. Yeah, tell like, us everything. Where can they find your new business if people want to get in contact yes. with you? Plug whatever you want. Plug. Oh, on, girl. So I just launched yes. my own event and marketing agency. So if you are yes. looking to plan Congrats. a digital event or if you're a brand looking to create engaging events or experiences for your clients, for your employees, I can be found at p-r-v-t-p-r-t-y agency private party is what it stands for private party agency or you can find me on instagram at love l-o-v-e kathy k-a-t-h-y-x-o as in gossip girl how long ago i made that um thank you guys so much for having me i love you both so grateful for this opportunity to talk to you and share in one another's abandonment issues Oh, she even <laughs> called out the name. Yeah. So if you want to get hold of us, you know, Abandonment Issues Pod yes. on the Instagram. It's shorter. And Abandonment Pod on Twitter. On Twitter. Because you know they don't allow as many caricatures. Yes. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Twitter limits that. Or give us an email at abandonmentissuespod at gmail.com. Yes. Shoot us a line. Comment on our Instagram. Let us know your thoughts, feelings. If you want to be on the podcast. If you have an issue you want to bring up, listen, ears open, <laughs> eyes open. Yeah. We're here for you. And take care of yourself. Thanks, y'all. Bye-bye. Abandonment Issues is an original podcast from the brain of Sarah Beth Bassick. It is created and produced by Clarissa Tebow and Sarah Beth Bassick. Sound design by Sarah Beth Bassick. Our incredible theme music is by the brilliant Daniel Hart. Grab your tissues We're here to laugh and cry